0: Thank you for listening to Data Science at Home podcast with Francesco Gadaletta. You are about to get cutting edge insights from the people who are reshaping the world of technology with machine learning, data science, and artificial intelligence. It's time for Data Science at Home. Welcome to the show. Hello, I'm Francesco, podcasting from the cozy office of my company, Ametix Technologies, where we use machine learning and AI to empower people and organizations. In this episode, I would like to speak about the state of sentiment analysis and more specifically about some cutting-edge insights that we got in the years in the field of natural language processing. Now, the rapid diffusion of social media like Facebook and Twitter and the massive use of different types of forums like Reddit, Quora, etc., is producing an impressive amount of text data every day. Some of these social media platforms contain customer conversations about a brand or revealing key aspects of specific products and services that people care about. There is one specific activity that many business owners have been contemplating over the last five to ten years. That is, identifying the social sentiment of their brand by analyzing the conversations of their users. A few years ago, such a task would have probably been referred to as privacy violation, while today it goes under the name of sentiment analysis. Researchers and NLP practitioners have been working on sentiment analysis quite a few years already, and we also did that at Emetics Technologies. Now, one main issue solved by NLP models consists of classifying sentences into classes, depending on how positive, negative, or neutral the sentiment is. Of course, you can also consider a higher number of classes, and so you can have 5, 7, 10 different labels for your data. Such analysis is usually conducted by inspecting and analyzing the single words that compose a sentence. At Ametics, we have seen and implemented more sophisticated methods to perform a more robust and accurate classification of sentences. In order to assess the sentiment of a sentence from the English language, for example, but of course this applies to any other language too, there are some challenging issues that one has to deal with. In many cases, one simply cannot just classify sentences by words. I mean, they can, but it's not going to perform accurately. A bit of processing is required due to the simple fact that computers and algorithms simply do not understand text. In fact, text, as all other forms of information, is internally represented as numerical values. A big chunk of the pre-processing mentioned uh, consists of finding the numerical equivalent of the words in one spoken language. And so we are going to investigate some viable approaches that are quite common now in NLP, but there will be some very interesting insight that is not that immediate to understand, at least to understand why is that the case. So, let's start from the beginning. Well, the traditional way of representing words in numerical form is by means of one-hot encoding. So, what is one-hot encoding? Well, suppose that one has a vocabulary of, let's say, 10,000 words, and each word can be encoded as a 10,000 dimensional vector with all zero elements except at the position corresponding to the index of that word in the vocabulary. So for example, if the word "hello" is indexed at the 42nd index, the 42nd word in the, an hypothetic vocabulary, it will be represented by a vector of 10000 zero except a one at the 42nd position. The main drawback of this approach is that the distance between any pair of words is always the same. And so it would be more appropriate if it changed according to the fact that for example words with a similar meaning might be at a lower distance with respect to less similar less similar words. So, you know, linguistics usually refer to such distance as semantics, which brings us to the concept of word embedding. In a word embedding setting, each word is represented as a point into a particular space. Usually This space has something between 50 and 300 dimensions, such that, for example, the vectors encoding the words apple and orange are closer than the vectors encoding apple and, for example, tulip. Now, this means that the dimensions of the space vector are capable of capturing the semantic of each word. Without loss of generality, there might be very different features within the same dataset, some may encode age, some others encode, you know, some kind of gender variable or more abstract concepts that indicate if a specific word is, for example, food, person, animal, whatever. By using word embedding in place of a one-hot encoding vectors, machine learning algorithms have shown better performance than traditional approaches in the field of NLP, natural language processing. While a considerable amount of NLP applications have been built in the last few years, touching fields like machine translation, named entity recognition, speech th- synthesis, sentiment classification. Probably the most popular among all is word2vec, proposed by Mikolov in uh, 2013 and reported also in the references in the show notes of this episode. As a matter of fact, such concept became the basic block on top of which many applications have been built. The idea behind word2vec improves the more traditional NLP methods by orders of magnitude. And I'm gonna explain you why. Suppose one has a data set with many sentences and wanted to build a model that predicts the next word from a context of M words, okay? So the naive solutions to such a challenging task would be to build a neural network that takes the context that is the preceding words that you're using to predict the next one as input, and predict just the probability of the next word for each word in the vocabulary. Now, the input context would be one-hot encoded, meaning that the input would be 10,000 by m metrics. Now, one major issue with such an approach consists in the fact that extending the vocabulary to, for example, one million words would make the problem intractable. It is very common to deal, however, with a 1 million word language, especially when words from the regular vocabulary, urban language, slang words, etc. are also considered. And so, it's very easy to reach the 1 million words or symbols and even going beyond. To mitigate the problem of variable explosion caused by feeding one-hot encoded vectors to the model, one could instead consider vectors in a lower dimensional space. And this trick can be solved by simply multiplying the input vector by an embedding matrix that we call E, that would reduce the dimensions from 10,000 to, say, 300. There is a previous post that we published on the webpage of amethics.com, which we titled Deep Feature Extraction and Transfer Learning, in which we explain the notion of embedding in a more generic sense. So feel free to read and access and share such a post. The embedding matrix is in fact nothing more than an additional layer in an hypothetical neural network. So all the machinery already in place, for example, the gradient descent and the backpropagation during training would be seamlessly applied. So given a large corpus of text, one can continuously predict the next word given a context of M-words, by means of a rolling window, for example, that scans the corpus from beginning to end. This approach would artificially create more data and, of course, force the algorithm to learn a pretty interesting internal representation of words in the new lower-dimensional space, which is exactly what we are interested in. In order to accommodate a more efficient implementation, of course, the Word2Vac algorithm is slightly different than what I just described, but its core remains the same, and it has been represented in a schema that you can also find in the show notes of this episode. One interesting fact about word embedding is that it allows to build accurate natural language processing models, even if one does not have a very large text dataset, but can exploit, for example, transfer learning. So, with transfer learning, it is possible to take advantage of the word representations that have been learned from other datasets, even from other domains, maybe with large amounts of non labeled text. And such representations can then be reused for the task at hand, for which, for example, you don't have a a large dataset. In fact, you have a smaller dataset, or sometimes you have no dataset at all. In the show notes of this episode, you will also find a very interesting snippet that loads a pre-trained embedding matrix and uh, starts playing a bit with words, understanding what is the semantic similarity of words just by using this pre-trained word embedding. So, feel free to access the show notes of the episode and uh, just copy and paste the code and you're ready to go. Now it is possible to construct numerical representations for single characters and parts of words too. As it has been suggested in a post titled The Best Embedding Method for Sentiment Classification again, you will find all this stuff into the show notes, subword level embedding seems to perform in the specific case of sentiment classification. In this use case, in fact, the dataset contains many informal words or slangs for which there would be no equivalent in a standard vocabulary. Taking into account the subword, for example, the root or just a substring contained in it, can be more beneficial than considering the entire word, especially when this word does not belong to the vocabulary that you are considering and for which you will have eventually a null vector. In fact, since that word does not exist, it will be considered as an empty space. So, let me try to explain you why considering the subword level embedding might be beneficial with respect to considering the entire word, you know, the more traditional method. Now, consider the words cool and wow, just with an indefinite amount of O's in between. Something like cool or and wow, something like that. Normally, either they would be removed during preprocessing because they do not exist to the vocabulary. You know, the word cool with eight O's and the word wow with seven O's does not exist in any vocabulary yet. Normally, they would be removed during preprocessing or they would be transformed into the words just cool and wow because you probably have some sort of typo-checking and that will just fix that additional O's in the words. Even in the latter case, one would lose some information because the word cool and wow have stronger emotional content compared to just cool and wow. Representing these words at the subword level and encoding the subwords C-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-L and W-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O- w, differently, <laughs> I don't know if I made that clear, the researcher is in fact enforcing a distinction among these chunks of words, and also among the words, you know, the real word that we are used to, cool, and the word cool. Such informal words are very common in short text messages, from social networks like Twitter, Reddit, even private chatting conversations, You know, people speak like this, people type like that. Probably they don't speak like that, but they definitely type like that. An NLP method that wants to be smart enough to handle these extreme cases should be aware of the existence of such words. Remember this for your next NLP project. Talk to you next time.